Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. We certainly hope this finds you well. Thank you. Thank you for being part of this community. Thank you for uh, just tuning this broadcast. And again, it's an honor. Thanks so much. Got a lot of lot to talk about today, going maybe in a little bit of a different direction, but uh, very grateful to have Kevin with me today. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, sir. So today, so I want to catch up on some things. So, so the date we're doing this is the first day of February that we're actually doing this recording and um, uh, with my dear brother, Kevin. And over the last couple of days, I got word that uh, dear friends of mine, uh, Bruce and Manette Klingerman, um, they lost their son, Caleb, in a terrible drowning accident where he got caught in a, some type of a rip toe, under toe, uh, riptide, whatever you want to call it. And... Uh, he got pulled underwater for 15 minutes and his dad went out and tried to rescue him and it was unsuccessful. And, um, you know, his dad's a hero and it was Caleb's time and, and, uh, just a fine young man. I never really had a friendship with him. I remember having one dinner with him at a, at a camp. I used to work with their missions agency. I was the general director. And, um, I just remember as being a godly young man, always saying hi, always smiling. Uh, the sentences that I would ask him a question, he always looked me in the eye and answered back. He was a grown man. He was a good man. Uh, even as a younger teenager. So it's been three or four years since I've seen him. Uh, he was, he was a godly man, a good man. And I, I would just ask that you would pray, uh, for the Klingerman family missionaries to Guam, uh, over there in the South Pacific and the Marianas Islands. And, uh, just pray for this dear family dealing with the loss of this son. And then, uh, Bruce is getting better. He had some lung damage, you know, obviously from the water trying to find his son. And, uh, Bruce is a Marine, he, you know, he didn't leave anybody behind. And, and, uh, so I would just ask that you would pray uh, pray heartily, uh, for Bruce, uh, for Manette, for the kids. They have three other children and, and just pray. This is a, it's inexplicable. Uh, the loss is, is greater than anything that any of us can imagine. And, and because of that, I went to Kevin and, uh, well, and I, it's hard to start Kevin with a funny missionary story, but I got to, uh, cause we owe that to our people and Caleb would want us to do that. So this story, I was at a Christian camp. And this particular Christian camp, I'll never tell you where. There were several of them that fall into this category. But they had all these old animal heads that had been conquered 20, 40 years, 50 years earlier and hung on the wall. I mean, they hung throughout the building. And, uh, I know where this was. <laughs> and, and someone said to me, they said, you know, hey, Brother Doug, it wouldn't bother me a bit if that head over there was to be deep in the lake or go away or whatever. It's like one of the last ones left. So for an evening, I went to all the rooms of the people who were there at camp, knocked on the door, and when they answered, I made believe I was a buck. You know, I had the head on. I was messing with people, and uh, it was terrible. And then one knucklehead, my, my dear friend Steve Ziner, who's not a knucklehead, he left his door open, so I went walking in and woke him up wearing a deer head. But anyway, but the deer head went for a swim, and uh, someone came up to me, I don't know how much later, and they said, hey, you know anything about the deer head? 
And uh, I said, I'm not sure what you're talking about or what you're talking about. And I moved along, but I fulfilled, Brother Kevin, I, I fulfilled the need uh, to get rid of those 50-year-old heads. Um, I thought that was my responsibility, and I handled them as any soldier would. And uh, tomorrow, maybe Kevin's story will be funnier, but I thought it was a funny story. <laughs> anyway. I had heard it before, so I, oh, okay. I got my laughs And out. you may have seen it on Facebook when I was running around wearing the deer head. <laughs> there were there were sightings of me all over the camp, you know. I didn't, I didn't know that part. I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. I ran around. I, I hid behind the dumpster about 8 o'clock at night. And as people would, it was after chapel, and as people would come by, I'd jump out with a deer head. It was crazy. <laughs> people would scream and run. And uh, anyway, it's... I'm not going to try to make it any funnier than it was. Obviously, it wasn't funny, but I'm not taking it all, praise God. But here we are. And so we're not at a funny stage. We're at a very serious stage now. And and God put it on my heart uh, because of Caleb and, and because of his testimony and godliness and being such a good man uh, that I just wanted to derail things. So I told uh, Brother Kevin like five minutes before we got on the phone together that I just made a decision we're going to look at the steps of grief from a biblical perspective. And I think they're all biblical and I think they're all here because so many of you folks out there are dealing with the same thing uh, that Bruce and Manette and their family are dealing with, uh, which is this terribleness. So I wanted to cover that on this podcast. I want to start by talking about grief. Uh, first of all, grief is real. Uh, the Bible does provide a lot of comfort and a lot of hope. Um, we need to, you know, when we come to this stage of grief and we've been there, I've lost my mom, my dad, my sister, people I love very dearly, missionaries who worked for me, and, and nothing obviously like losing a son or her husband or wife or something that you folks have done who are listening. I get that. But I got to remember God's comfort. And one of the things I got to remember is I just wrote this down like a minute before we came on. It was over there in John 14, 27, part of a sermon that I preach pretty regularly. Peace I leave unto you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In Psalm 23, speaking of death, uh, uh, the, the very, very familiar Verses, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. And that verse really may be aiming at somebody who's terminal illness, right up against something like that, but uh, also aiming at the rest of us, knowing that those of us who've accepted Jesus, who's accepted his plan, uh, we, we get to, you know, we get to cash in on uh, we're going to fear no evil because God is good. So we pass, the Bible teaches us, from death unto life when we pass away. Caleb is more alive than he's ever been today. Uh, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And uh, I believe Caleb is with the Lord right now. And uh, also, you know, we're taught that even in Revelation, the things of this world, and, you know, brother, if, if we get taken up in the tribulation, uh, you know, with that shout and that trump, uh, we're promised over there in Revelation that there'll be no more, uh, you know, there'll be no more death and that God's going to wipe away our tears. Uh, there's going to be no more mourning. And so there comes a day, Kevin. There comes a day in the midst of grief, in the midst of craziness, that it will be no more. So I guess what, as I pass this over to Kevin and before we hop in the steps of grief, I think what I want to tell you is we do experience grief. 
we, there's no magic uh, strength that comes along out of nowhere and we say, um, well, our loved one has passed on. There's nothing else to do with that. No, no, we, there is real grief. It's out there. We trust in the God. God, we find peace in God. Uh, we trust his word. And, and that's what gets us through, Kevin, right? Yeah. yeah. He who made us knows what we need in, in loss because he who made us um, suffered loss. In, in fact, really, when he made us and put us in the Garden of Eden, you know, in Adam and Eve, obviously, they had a, um, you know, they, they, they were tempted and they fell. And God, you know, in the earliest stages of the story of creation of man, God is seen saying, Adam, where are you? So, um, you know, we have a God that knows mankind and knows his, the, the grief of an absence. And then the, the fact that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, left God, I'm sure, you know, the, 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 the feeling that I'm, I'm kind of reading between the lines, but the feeling of if only it would have been different, if only Adam, if only you had not failed, you could have stayed here and it, it'll never be that way again. So again, God in the earliest stages of, of his creation is, is experiencing, you know, the what ifs. And then, um, then certainly the savior, when he came to earth, he, he was a man of sorrows and well acquainted with grief. So he knew, he knows, he knew exactly what we're going through. He who made us put in us a, a capacity to uh, make it through because he made it through for us. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no. And that's, that's a good thought. That's exactly, I think where we're going folks. And we know that we, and, and those of you who've not experienced death close to you, I believe God can use you through things like this to come up alongside of people. And something that I found out years ago is we have no idea what somebody goes through. Uh, you know, never assume, even if you've been through something similar, everybody's grief walk is different. Everybody, uh, you know, everybody experiences something different. It's unique. It's a trial from God. Uh, every single trial's different. I don't think it's ever a good idea when you responded some, to somebody to say, I know what you went through. I, I just don't see that as a good idea. Uh, to the contrary, I think, you know, hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. We're lifting you up. Can we drop off a meal? Um, you know, we want to help. And, uh, you know, that's about as good as it gets. And, um, it's just opening yourself up and say, Hey, we'll do anything. I mean, anything to help you. So if you have somebody who's experienced that, be that person, be magnanimous, be outgoing, be, be so godly that people are willing to look at you and know that you're not uh, one of these people that's just doing this for uh, a brag session or just doing this to try to appease uh, some guilt you may have or something. Now, when you help somebody who's experienced the greatest of losses, when you help somebody who's been through uh, the worst of things here on earth, uh, it's real. And uh, you need to make it very real, and you need to be willing. If you say, I'm all in, you need to be all in. Hey, folks, we'll be right back with you. We've got to let these radio stations do what they do. Hang with us. 
Thanks for coming back. You folks are awesome. And, uh, you know, Kevin, as we go through, we come to that first stage, which I believe these stages are biblical. I've, I've written a booklet. I got I to gotta brush that thing off and pull it back out again. But denial. And, uh, and I'm not talking about the Nile River, but in times of loss, um, it's really hard to accept, you know, what's happened uh, you try to avoid those places and feelings and things. Uh, we know that even David in, in 2 Samuel uh, 18 suffered from denial. And, uh, uh, you know, we know that it can be real. We know that people go through this. We know that in the midst of all this, uh, that denial is real. It's, a, it's not just a concept. It's a real deal. Um, you know, so we know if you read second Samuel 18, uh, David's told about his son's death, but initially he refuses to believe it and continues to believe uh, that his son is still alive. So the Bible is obviously acknowledging that this grief can be really overwhelming. It's more, again, talking about an understanding of it, talking about that, Hey, this is real. This is something we go through. Uh, this is something that, um, you know, we need, we need God. And, and in the midst of them, we just need to find God. Uh, we, we know that he saved us. We know that he loves us. And, but in our mind, we've got to replace thoughts. We've got to replace, uh, feelings. We've got to replace memories. We've got to replace all that with the reality that, that God is there. God is real. Uh, God alone uh, can fix these things, Kevin. Yeah, you know um, the the five stage five stage model is really good, and it just it does follow along with the the Bible so well. Um, there's another one that breaks it down into seven, but this the seven is really uh, breaking denial into two and then breaking the last one into two or the next to the last one, depending how you look at it. But, uh, the seven stage model is, is breaks it into shock and denial. But really, if you put it all as just denial, which is what we're talking about today, we are created. God knows what we're like. We cannot face everything at once. Right. And so God breaks it up into this kind of sine wave, uh, you know, sinusoidal, uh, up and down. And so when something first happens, if you look at, if you look at the wave kind of being high, okay. So the shock means the, for instance, trauma on the body is the, is God has blessed us with the ability to go into shock. That's where everything stops hurting <clears throat> initially. <clears throat> Sorry, I had my leg blown off. Not really, but here's a guy in battle. I had my leg blown off. Oh, I, I, what did it feel like? I didn't feel it, you know, and not just because it was missing, but I had this gaping wound and blood loss. And so my body was responding by cutting off the flow of, of pain signals to that area, you know, cutting off that, that track, and then also cutting off the, the blood flow. And again, God made man. God initially says, "Okay, you've been you've been hammered. You've been you've been blindsided by this horrible experience, and so we're going to let you go into denial, where you first of all are saying this can't be true. This can't be true, and and so you're not just 
totally overwhelmed. And I, I just look at it, like you said, Doug, a good God allowing us to experience something and and not processing it all right away, but rather having a numbness that that we are not um we are not even wanting or attempting to wrap our mind around it. We're just like, okay, something happened. Uh, life will never be different, but for now, I feel an initial yeah. like, yeah. okay. Yeah, no, I, I, that's really good, brother. And, and, you know, when you, when you look at the seven and I've looked at that in the past as well, and you look at shock and one of the things that comes out of denial and comes out of the grief and that shows up and rears its ugly head immediately is false guilt is this idea that this is my fault. And, uh, you know, from that, I always take people to Acts 17, 25, where, uh, you know, Paul is explaining, he's preaching there on Mars Hill and he's explaining who God is. And he says, neither is worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things. So, so God knows when we're going to start breathing and when we're going to stop breathing. And there's some pretty hard ways to start breathing and stop breathing. And uh, especially on the stop side. And sometimes this false guilt shows up with this denial. As long as I deny, you know, deny this, as long as there's some denial happening in my life. Mm. And, and brother, I think I've counseled. I was just sitting here counting, paying attention to you, but counting while we were talking. Mm -hmm. I believe I've counseled 45 or 50 uh, couples who've lost a loved one like this or, or, or a husband or a wife, for that matter, lost her husband. Someone who's lost a spouse. I think Debbie and I, through the time, are somewhere between 45, 50 people. And this false guilt always shows up in step number one. And in and, and this false guilt, yep. uh, Brother Kevin, it always looks like this is all my fault. You know, when, when it's replaying in your head, when it's going over and over again in your head, the blame, you know, the devil keeps on pointing right back at you. Well, this wouldn't have happened if you had not. This may not have happened if you had not. And, and these things, they, they come to us. And, and again, now this, this, uh, this broadcast, you know, I haven't spoke with the uh, Klingemans about any of these things. So I want you to know that even though we've named this in honor of Caleb Klingeman, this isn't something that's going on with the Klingemans. This is just something that's went on with people I've dealt with. Uh, but in what I've personally been through is, man, that, you know, that went to happen. Uh, years ago, I had recruited a missionary and a missionary was killed in a car accident. And I remember one of the first things I said to myself, you know, that guy was living a peaceful, wonderful life. And I went and preached at his church and he felt called to be a missionary, became a missionary, got in a car accident and died. And so, of course, you know, immediately the devil puts in the back of my mind all this false guilt, all this make-believe stuff. And he's saying things like, Doug, this is your fault. Had you left this pastor alone and didn't preach at his church, this wouldn't be a problem right now. Well, the truth of the matter is for all of us, friends, that God knows over there in Acts 17, 25, he gives us breath, he takes away breath. He knows when we're going to start and stop. And sometimes we're part of the stop scenario. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, Kevin? But it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's God's call. We're not God. Yeah. Yeah. How many times do we, do we just 
go go into a, a, a first stage of saying I am I, I just can't believe this and I also feel bad you know what what could I have done to change it <clears throat> you know just it's you know I was reading a, a thing where uh, denial is is 50 percent uh, of men you know are are stuck on denial you know yeah. I mean, it's just a it's a real hard thing and 67 percent of women and so they have a they have a, uh, a, a they they spend longer or it's more impactful for them to go through this first stage because that's that's the the natural bent of how we're wired <clears throat> um you know i think i'm going to use an illustration brother of you know aging okay just simple aging so we're all aging uh you're way older than i am Oh, yeah, I think about 300 <laughs> days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when we go, when we go through aging, there's, um, you, you know, you go to the mirror and at first oh, you deny why? it. Oh, why? it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The light, the lighting is bad or, or, uh, you know, at first you just say, this is, this can't be happening. No, I'm actually young looking. And, uh, it's said that many, t many times, especially the women will, um, try to fit into, you know, the clothes from, you know, before this, you know, before I, I couldn't fit into them well, you know, so it, it, I'm going to deny it. I'm going to put off making a decision. I'm going to try to squeeze into ill-fitting clothes. I'm going to, I'm going to hide poor purchases, you know, in the wardrobe, things that I bought that I was sure I could really fit into. And really, that's denial. That's where you're like, <clears throat> oh, you know, and it's, and it's not, we're not dealing with the blame of self here. We're just the general thing, but yeah. In the, uh, in the, uh, idea of humanity, God knows this, God knows that when we first get impacted by a, a new set of circumstances, the first thing we're going to do is try to cruise along like it didn't happen. Yeah. And that's just a, a high that God gives us like a shock where we're like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going it, to, it'll be like it was. And that's, that's really the first stage. It's not like you're, you're ever going to, it's not like you're never going to accept the reality and deal with it and compensate, but rather it's realizing this is normal. Uh, I'm, I'm really being impacted by a sudden change in my life. And of course I'm having a hard time with this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's, that's absolutely right, and the timing's good. Folks, listen, we love you. Pray pray for the Klingerman family. Pray for families you know who have lost loved ones. Pray for those in the fire right now because God can help them, and uh, certainly he will. We sure do love you, folks. Please listen to every word Brother Eric has to say. May God bless you. And hey, when you go out today with that smile that only God can give you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, 
and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at woundedspirits.com.